Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Howdy and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have the Jennifer Thompson. I am so excited because I I get to see I've been able to see you lift uh, over a long period of time now, and to be able to get to talk to you is is really fun. And for those that don't know, Jen has a lot of experience in the the powerlifting space. And um, she's going to tell us a little bit uh, about that. And, and I'm also interested in learning just how you got started and all those good things. So thank you for taking the time to, to be here and, and on this on this Saturday. Friday. Well, thank, yeah, it's Friday. But Oops. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be gone. So, Jen. Tell me a little bit, how'd you get started in the world of powerlifting? Oh, well, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> I don't know the age of your um, podcast listeners, but some of them probably weren't born uh, when I started. Um, I got started, my very first meet was 1999. Um, I got started um, just in uh, college. Um, in high school, I was a long distance runner. This podcast is brought to you by Gold Star Barber Studio. These guys have some of the best haircuts in the state of Texas. They have six locations in the Bryan College Station area, San Antonio, and in the South Valley. They also have their website, goldstarbarberstudio.com. Please visit their website, get you some merch, schedule you a an appointment with one of their amazing barbers. I go to Jeff. I think Jeff is, you know, he's been my f- best barber that I've ever had. So the speed at which they're able to accomplish things, you know, all of us are busy people. We're trying to get in and out. They harp on speed and quality and they do not lack on either of them. So I recommend that you guys go ahead and visit gold star barber studio and get yourself a new barber and beautiful cut. Um, and then when I was in uh, college, I was roommates with a few other people. And uh, one of my roommates loved to lift weights. And he moved his weight set into like our rental house. So um, instead of running, they convinced me to start lifting weights with them, which at that time, you still didn't see a lot of women in the free weight room. Um, so I was a little hesitant at first. But then once I got down there, I started really enjoying it. And then because um, we would have, I don't know, six or seven people down there um, every training session, just college friends. And um, I started to get as strong as some of them. I was the only girl. So <laughs> I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good way to see some good quick benefit. Right? And uh, did it help your, your, your track experience as well? Well, I was just by that point in um, college, I was just running to um, stay in shape. I would do some road races with my dad. My dad was a big runner, so it was kind of something that we could do together, um, which I enjoyed. But um, I didn't really love running that much. I just more liked the competition and just that it um, was a healthy lifestyle. So then when I found um, weight training, it was way more fun <laughs> than running miles at a time. 
And so I just found that I enjoyed it more. I was um, a very skinny, stick-like girl. Um, I didn't have a ton of self-esteem. So um, of course that did um, worlds of good for me being in the weight room. I get shoulders and pecs, you know, and some biceps. And then, you know, as I got stronger, I feel like I mentally got stronger as well and got more confident in myself. So um, it was a win-win. Isn't that the best part about this sport or this field? Like, I think that your physical body is kind of maybe what changes first and then your your mental kind of just follows you like man i am starting to feel good look good and you know that that saying if you look good you feel good it it, it and it changes your life it's the most amazing thing yeah i think too like once you know um for me i started lifting weights that i would never have even guessed in my wildest dreams you know that i could do even back then and i think for some it's like if I can do that, then surely I can do this. So I think it just um, translates into other areas of your life. I have a high school powerlifting club that I do with some kids. And um, it's from the start of the year to the end, it's, it's just unbelievable how they flourish, not just physically, I would say more mentally than anything. I used to coach a kids camp and it was one of my favorite things to start seeing the kiddos have like this, this energy that around the, like, Oh, can we go and do some like biceps today? Or can we go and like, they were, they were a kid, like we weren't, you know, we had ages like six to 11. So at the end of my stint with them, we started doing a little bit like more deadlifting and st- and little, like benches with the dumbbells and with like a training bar. And they were so excited to get in there. And it kind of reminded me of when I first started and the, the community that you build, like they all started like helping each other and adding mm-hmm. like these two and a half pound plates. So then they put like little plates on or like they help them get them off and get them on. And it's like that team building, that interpersonal skill that they're building is is adjacent to also the the, the mental health thing, the, the physical health. Like it, it's just it's it's a beautiful place to be. And I think what you're doing is really cool. And you're changing these kids lives. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I feel like it gives me so much like in return. And it's like you say, they develop their own little community. It's usually kids that like don't necessarily have a a sport they're skilled at or somewhere they fit in, but they want to be athletic. So, and you know, anyone can do it. So it's great. And then you see them, um, like you were saying, they're cheering each other on. They've created this um, very motivational environment um, that they live in. And it's almost like their, their little group and they just, they love it. Every day at school, they're like, do we have powerlifting club today? We got club today. And, and the first thing in the morning, they're excited about being able to come in the afternoon. Um, so even if I'm tired at the end of the day, just knowing how stoked they are to be there, it, it, it motivates me to, to finish up my day with them because they're just so wonderful. So when did you start coaching? Um, gosh, I sort of just fell into it. I think I didn't do it for a really long time. Um, cause I don't really have like a background. In, I don't have a degree in like sports science or kinesiology or whatever. All I really have is just loads of experience. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we didn't even really have a weight room at my high school that I've taught at for, I don't know, like 16 years now. Um, 
I went to, there's a kind of a famous uh, video where I went to um, Liberty uh, University football team and I um, bench pressed with the team. Um, but one of the reasons I went was they told me if I came, I could have all their old equipment because <laughs> they re-outfitted their weight room. So oh, I actually went up there with a U-Haul and um, was able to get a bunch of racks and plates and stuff. And so I was able to build, um, e even now our weight room is um, about five racks. It's nothing like expansive and high end, but um, A7s helped me furnish like the belts and the wraps and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's enough to power lift. <laughs> we can feed about, fit about 18 people in there at one time. Um, but, you know, so once once I was able to get some equipment and then I said, does anyone want to show up for this? Um, they showed up in huge amounts. So, I mean, really been doing it for probably about 10 years now. I started coaching this club. Um, I've always coached like, you know, our training partners, my husband. Um, and then just the last five years, I've been assistant coach for Midland University um, at Collegiate Nationals. You're, you don't need a degree to like, you've just put in so much time and so much work that like the input that you give, if, if you are working with these kids, they're getting the, the highest quality of, of education, right? Like, I don't think there's anything better than the practical experience for the thing that you're teaching, right? And what better person than the person that's been to worlds as many times, right? Who, who, who not only has, like, you're very well known for the bench, but also at the same, like you also, obviously you can't get there with only a good bench, right? You have to know the other two movements. Yeah. I have four world titles in powerlifting, so it's not all, it's not all just the bench, even though that's sort of my bread and butter. <laughs> at what point did you realize the bench was the jam? Well, it's just like, I think it's just the year I started training, you know, it was the nineties um, and everything was your how much do you bench determined how strong you are, you know, in any bro gym, you know? So um, when I first started training, you know, with all these guys, I mean, it really like legs was like an afterthought slash accessory. It was all about like the bench press. And we were doing like just obscene workouts that are like, we look back on them now. We're like, that was so stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, Trying to do like the whole body in two days and the workouts were like four hours, you know, and we could never actually finish it for too many weeks in a row because we were just so overtrained and doing way too much. But um, it just really was all about like your, your, to show how strong you was, you were, was um, how much, I think too, like as a female, we just don't, we're not born with strong upper bodies. Um, you know, like I said, I was a runner in um, high school, did cross country and track, but um, that's where I saw huge gains in the beginning was any upper body exercise because I was just a little skinny girl and I never really did much with that. So I think I enjoyed it a ton because I just, you know, saw those big, huge gains um, the more I worked out. So it just kind of was infectious. They're oddly, it's oddly addictive, right? It's, it's just yes. the... Yeah, once you start seeing little bits here and there, you just want to keep it keep it rolling. Um, and so, what was your first competition? First competition, it was nineteen ninety nine. That was my first one. It was a Detroit Rock City competition with USA Powerlifting. 
Uh, back then, you know, the internet was around, but it wasn't like it is now. Like you still had to wait like a minute for a page to upload, you know. <laughs> so really we had this magazine called Powerlifting USA. It wasn't attached to the um, the organization at all. It was Michael Lambert's magazine. You would just go to the back of it. People would advertise their meets in the back. You would fill out an entry fee and mail it in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was no like technology for that. So um, uh, when I married one of the guys that got me into lifting, I we ended up getting married. And on our honeymoon, we saw um, we were in Venice Beach, California. We saw a bench press competition out on Muscle Beach, and I was like, "Oh, I can do that," you know. So we started talking to some of the lifters, and they were like, "Yeah, you should do this and this, and this is how you find this information." And so, almost like a year later, I did my very first um, competition, which um, you know, a squat, bench, deadlift, and it was all equipment back then. There was no raw powerlifting at all. Um, but I was, cause I didn't know what equipment was. I couldn't figure out why these people were walking around like, you know, zombies with their arms out and like trying to wiggle in these suits and stuff. I was like, what is going on here? You know? Um, so I think, uh, it was horrible. I, um, almost bombed out in the squat with 185 pounds. <laughs> nice. Okay. What, what was the reason for, is it, was it depth? Well, the first one was depth. Um, the second one, I tried to go lower and I fell into the spotter behind me. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the the third one I got, but I honestly just think they were being very nice. It's I think they just didn't want to. Yeah, I think they were giving me like, this is our first one. Don't let her bomb out, you know. Um, and I think I, um, I benched 215. <laughs> <laughs> First time benching, I mean, that's pretty, that's still pretty solid. That was pretty good. And then yeah. I learned how to deadlift like the week of, and I think I deadlifted 300, which I was pretty excited about. I had no idea what like my strength was for that. Um, and I had cut weight down to the 132s because I was just a little bit above that. So it was my first time, you know, fitting in a weight class also. So it was a good experience. I met a coach there. His name was CJ Batten, was an old, old time coach, and he was kind of just, He's like, you got to go to nationals. Like, this is the American record. This is the most people anyone's benched this year yet. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I did, you know, and it, it took me a few years to kind of get it down, but eventually I did. <laughs> so, what do you mean by get it down? Because, I mean, if you're setting American records your first meet, then what do you oh. consider getting it down? Well, I went to my, my first nationals, like I was a complete emotional wreck. Like <laughs> my meat nerves and my mental game was horrible. Like I lifted worse in the meat than I ever have in the gym. You know, I was incredibly nervous. I spent most of the time in the bathroom. <laughs> I think I ended up taking second place. Um, and it was just a bench only meat too. <laughs> Nice. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, second place at your first nationals, I guess, isn't too horrible. <laughs> but yeah, I don't even know that there was more than two of us in the weight class, to be honest with you. <laughs> fair, fair. Different, <laughs> different, different size of the sport. Oh, yeah. We were lucky to get, like, two flights of women, like, of total women. We were lucky just to get two flights back then. It just wasn't as popular as it is today. What, I mean... In comparison to the presence of the, I mean, it's definitely 
I would say, especially then, a much more male-dominated sport. Oh, yeah. Was it intimidating, like, stepping up into that space? But you'd already been training with a bunch of dudes, so yeah. it, was kind of, it was just training again, right? Yeah, I think that um, the hardest part was just, like, the expectation. I didn't want to travel there and let anyone down or have to say I didn't do what I was, you know, what I should have done, you know, or um, I was just afraid of letting people down, honestly. Um, or having to go back and say, yeah, I didn't win, or I didn't, you know, that's hard to do, um, you know, as an athlete, if there's high expectations, which it was only expectations of myself and my friends, but even then it still tore me up, you know? They, everybody else was like, man, she made it to nationals in her first year of competing. Yeah, right. they were like, so they were like who is this girl? Because like, you know, it kind of had been the same people, you know, the same type athletes showing up all the time. And then I showed up and they were like, who is this girl? <laughs> and was it inviting by the time you got there? Was that like group of women inviting and like willing to help or teach? No, <laughs> not back then. It is now. I want to say that like we've come a long way and I really feel like we have this amazing community of women that help each other out. I'm very proud of that. But back then it was a little more um, cut, cutthroat nasty. <laughs> That's that is unfortunate, but I feel like it's uh, definitely changed for everybody. A hundred percent, I can definitely tell you. Like that was just like the first, maybe two or three years, um, and definitely as the start, the sport started growing. It was, and and I honestly think it was more like just the bench press community because when I did the three lift, it was a little bit better um, as far as the way the the women treated the newcomers. I guess I'd say, but. Um, and it wasn't horrible, but they just weren't inviting. Um, they weren't like, well, yeah, they were just not inviting. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but now it's amazing. Like even when we're back there, like Raw Nationals and, and we're just battling for the top three spots. I mean, we're back there jo joking with each other and cutting each up other up and like cheering each other on. Like it's an amazing amazingly positive especially if you go into the masters too like that's a super welcoming supportive group too so it's definitely not like that anymore i've never gotten the opportunity to be behind with a masters group but just and i've also i never really had the experience of people like uh, being maybe not the most inviting I, I was very lucky to have the entire community was always super inviting which i think was part of the reason I love the sports so much, you walked around, there's all these like massive people that are lifting this insane weight. And then you, you know, you talk to them and just asking them questions like Preston Turner was a person that the, one of the first people that I had talked to and just the most invited like, Oh, this is all the information. This is how you get there. And let me know if you need any help. And it was yeah. like, Oh my gosh, like these, like this is, you can be nice in a sport and it's okay. Yeah. This is the oh, sport yeah. I want to be in, you know? Well, I think we love it. Like, you know, it's part of us. It's part of who we are. And we're all excited to talk about it. Like, even when you usually will go up, like, to the biggest names in our sport, um, they're usually happy to chat about stuff just because it's, it's what we all love. It is. I probably have seen the biggest, um, I don't know, turnout maybe is not the right word, but, like, the most amount of people that are willing to talk about and, and come on and talk about sports and, and and talk about powerlifting has been from this community. And it didn't matter if it was somebody on the USAPL side or the IPF side. It was, it, it's just, 
it's something that is so simple. It's the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. But then there's so much that goes into that behind the scenes where, you know, you're training with these group of people. The, the struggle that life has and, like, the dedication you have to have to continue to do the sport, it's it's so simple but then so complex and only like only other powerlifters really understand right and it's but the sport is growing so much and i think you have a lot to do with that maybe in in i think in in general but then also with just imagine those those younger girls that may have been coming in that weren't treated well and if they were treated well um if you were treated well then like what that have perpetuated the continuation and the growth of that sport. And now you have, you get to play a role in that. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, I think in powerlifting, like the women's side is getting fairly close to where I think it's going to be 50, 50 uh, men and women in the, in the near future. It's 60, 40 about or a little more right now. I don't think we're too far off, but I think, you know, I didn't start um, really powerlifting until I was 27. Uh, but now you're seeing girls start in high school and then to see like the strength that they're able to possess starting training at that age is crazy. Even the guys too, though, like everyone, the sport is, they're starting younger high school nationals is big. Um, there's much more stuff going on, even in the individual local states. Um, people are getting into the sport at a much younger age. So it's, um, very exciting to see like where their training and their strength can go when you start way earlier than, you know, my age group um, now, you know, um, those years. And, the, and there's so much more information accessible to them, you know, YouTube coaches, things like that. And I think for women in, in general, it's given us a um, opportunity for positive body image. You know, you don't have to be um, this skinny little model type woman. Um, we like thick thighs, you know, and big biceps and broad shoulders and um, all those um, unconventional assets can be celebrated um, for women, which is more of the general population anyway. So I think that stuff's all good. I think that's a huge point. And it seems like that more women are like excited to post about those things. Like how many posts I, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I feel like, and maybe because mainly more, there's probably more women posting on Instagram than maybe men. I don't know that for a fact, but a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing is all these girls just lift like squatting massive weights, like mm -hmm. 400 pound squats consistently. And like yeah. two, 300 pound benches consistently deadlifts that are insane. It's, and and being proud of what that does to the body and and i think it's helping understand what nutrition does and what you know the old thing was always oh i can't lift weights i'm going to get big and and i don't want to get too big and it's like it makes you more toned and you want tone so we should do this thing um you don't have to get to the point where we're benching as much as jen but even if you're benching like it's going to have longer lasting effects for osteoporosis, right? Like there's a oh, lot yeah. of benefit to it and, and, and it helps out a lot in that space. Yeah, I will say like on the benching side for the women, you know, when I first started, you know, it's always been less strength for me, but, you know, women wouldn't even bench their body weight. Like that was tough. And now like it's a no brainer to see women bench 200 pounds plus. Like it happens a lot. And um, I think that's pretty awesome that, um, we've excelled in the upper body 
area also are not being held back by like, you know, just I have strong legs and I don't have a strong upper body um, really are seeing um, that the bench press is uh, becoming a strength for many of them also, which before it used to be just kind of the rest between the squat and the deadlift, you know, it's like, I'll lay down, take a little rest before we get to the real part, which is the deadlifts. But I mean, I've always maintained that, um, you know, your weakness is where you can make huge gains, you know, in your total. So if you would put as much effort into your weakness as you do into uh, your strength or the thing that you like to do, well, that's just going to give you huge gains. So um, you are starting to see that happen a lot more. The women are benching like double body weight type stuff now um, on the regular, which is pretty awesome. And I, just because we're all on the topic of bench, I'm going to continue. Do at, Was there certain points in either a technical um, fault or um, your, your training style uh, or maybe some biomechanical things that you had seen a plateau with and, and had like, how do I figure this out? And and maybe some issues in that the technique or the muscular um, portion of the movement. Families are all different. However, family traditions are a staple. One of my family traditions is shopping at Max Fine Furniture in Westlaco. I remember my grandparents being filled with pride when buying new furniture at an affordable price. This month, go visit Max Fine Furniture on Facebook and in the red ad that says traditions, write hashtag traditions and you will get 25, that's right, 25% off of high quality furniture at an affordable price. If you come into the store, then you can find Maribel, Elva, Elsa, and Letty at the front. Talk to one of them and they'll treat you like family. Honestly, no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, at this rate, you know, I've been doing it for 20 plus years. So I'm happy if I just make a few pounds uh, gain on my bench each competition, even if I gain two or three pounds, like I'm excited about it because it's just go- it's going up, you know, um, in the beginning, obviously it was way bigger. But I just, I honestly think it's our programming, the way we have it set up and, you know, people don't like to hear this, but you got to figure out what works for you and your lifestyle and in your body type and things like that. But we've found programming that we keep evolving, um, but the bones of it's the same because the bones work. Um, and so it's, you know, for our, our training that we do, it's just, um, constantly putting us in a stronger place at the end than we did the previous. So I've never not kept getting stronger other than, um, you know, a couple of injuries. I had hip surgery and, a um, pulled obturator muscle that I've had to overcome. But, um, other than that, I think too, though, with the bench, I've always had a really good setup. And I think if you set up correctly, that leads to no injuries. Everyone always asks me what kind of shoulder problems I have. And I've never had any, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, but I think that just the setup of the bench press and um, you know the main part being rolling your shoulders down and back and trying to limit the use of your shoulders in the bench as much as possible. Um, and then building up the strength in the pecs has been what's made me as strong as I am, you know, and that, and that exercise. So how, how many times per week are you benching? Once. 
once. Yeah. No well, way. I, I bench once a week. Now we do have like an accessory day where I'll do some variations. So like I have a one day dedicated to the bench, which is usually like a combination of squat, incline, decline, presses, stuff like that. And then we have a, what we call our tricep shoulder day, which is usually like uh, some pin presses or block presses, some close grip and some triceps and shoulders. So, I mean, you probably technically say two, but I'm really, I'm only flat bench pressing fully once a week. And what does the volume look like for the other two movements as well? It's usually, I almost do all, everything with sets of five. Five reps is the key. <laughs> it is. I mean, that is, that is insane. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's just so simple, but I mean, Hey, what you're doing is it, it, working. Yeah. I always feel like, you know, I'm an educator. I've been teaching for 27 years now. And in education, they're always coming out with the best way to teach math now, or we're going to teach reading this way now, or we're going to start doing this now. And it's always the original stuff that worked better. And we screw up the kids by trying all these new methods all the time that never end up working. We go back to what worked in the first place. And I sort of feel the same way about powerlifting. Um, we call our training, we called it, uh, we named, we dubbed it Clue cyclical linear undulating um programming we kind of make made up our own own sort of um name for it but it really is it's a lot of linear progression um in a cyclical way where we're just constantly building up to a a a, a higher amount of weight each week and then we kind of have a, a a rule that if we fail, you have to drop back, which is kind of like a deload, but it's like a deloading by exercise, not deloading by the week. Um, so we're constantly, because I kind of feel, again, with the teaching, you know, sometimes like you're doing great in math, but then your English starts to fall behind, you know, or you're killing it in science and reading, but then math starts to give a little bit. It's hard to keep them all at the top level at the same time. And I sort of feel that way with exercises. So if I'm killing it in the bench, I don't want to deload because it's time for a deload. But if my squat needs a deload, I'm just going to deload the squat. So that's kind of been our philosophy for a long time and it's worked. <laughs> that definitely makes sense. One more time. It's called clue. And what, what is it? Well, you... we made it up. It's not an actual thing. Just know that you can't look this up online. <laughs> we called it, um, cyclical linear undulating <laughs> method <laughs> and so are you why is it undulating if it's maybe an, i don't know if this makes sense but so i understand so cyclical and linear so every let's say mm -hmm. eight weeks you're you're running through that same kind of rep scheme right yeah and then undulating is it changing and is it undulating per day throughout the week it's per exercise <laughs> exercise okay, undulating correct. per exercise so if you get to an exercise where like let's say you know with our accessory stuff we're usually doing reps of eight so you know you're doing a weight and you can't get eight then it's time to undulate <laughs> drop back and usually what happens is when you get stuck somewhere most of the time it's because you've um, lost your speed so you've increased your mass over time and then eventually you slow down enough that you don't have enough force to continue pressing that weight out or whatever it is you're doing with it. So the idea is you deload that exercise down a bit and then you can get your speed back. Once you get your speed back, then you go past where you got 
stuck before and you get stuck a little higher this time. And then you drop back and go forward past that and get stuck in a little higher place again and go back. <laughs> so it's kind of like this. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like a, like a mentally non-stressful environment. It 100% is. There's no RPEs. I hate that stuff. Like I don't like. I don't like that. I like just very black and white. We have steadfast rules that we apply to it, and um, you know, always record, reflect, you know, back on things. Always trying to make little tweaks to this and that. You know, I think we're on version. I don't know, like 27 of our programming, but the, a lot of it's the same. But we're like, oh, let's try, you know, doing it this way, or we felt kind of like this the last training cycle let's maybe um drop back a set on this and maybe add in this exercise i get pretty bored pretty easy doing the same exercises all the time so i'll um my workouts are full of accessories and i mix them up all the time because i like to do different things <laughs> that keeps it fun i mean it keeps it fun and part of it's the mental part like if you go in there and you're like ugh. I got to do this again today, then odds are it's not going to be a very productive workout. So if you can do something to that to make it more exciting to you, like for deadlifts, um, you know, we used to do a lot of what we call reset doubles or just double pulls. And I eventually found that like um, I found that stressful because I was trying to hit certain numbers um, and then my form was sort of suffering. And then it was just kind of a um, it was just mentally defeating to me. So I my last one I went, I'm just gonna do sets of five <laughs> on the deadlift, three sets of five, touch and go. Um, and I hit a PR at that meet at the end of that. And I think it was just because I came in, I wasn't stressed about my numbers. I was doing sets of five. I wasn't worried about missing. Um, and I enjoyed it. It's such a different way than the last couple of years that I've been like trying to write my own program. But I am also I've get like overwhelmed where I'm like, man, this is, it's so complicated. And like, you know, I'm going through undergrad, didn't really talk very much about it, but then during my master's, we talked a lot about training programs and modalities. And so then I try to like pull all this different stuff in and then it became to, I was like, ah, like this is just eh, it's overwhelming or boring or like, it's just, like, eh, it was became too much. And I kind of mm -hmm. started to, and your method just seems like if you have so much, so many other things going on in your life, then it's a, it's a, a good, simple, but fun way to continue to move. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And like, if, you know, if I don't feel like doing, I mean, the, my, the squat bench and deadlift are always in there. They have to be in there, but um, how you handle them, the rep schemes you do, you can always mess around with. Um, I don't single, I don't do any heavy singles on squat anymore because I've had a few injuries and it just, um, I worry about it. I get under the bar and I'm a mess. So I only do doubles and triples now and it's worked just fine, you know, and then I, I only do a couple, few doubles and triples and I hit the rest on the belt squat machine because it feels better on my body, but I make sure I kill it on the belt squat machine. So I think there's a lot of room to kind of, you have to figure out like what you like to do in the space and time that you have it. And it's okay to not do one particular thing. I mean, you got to get the work in, but as long as you get the work in, I mean, I, with our workout, I mean, we have a huge, it's high intensity. Like there's not a day that goes by. I'm not sore. And there'll be a lot of people that tell you, you shouldn't be like that. It's like too much. 
But I mean, that's what works for me. I love feeling like I know I did an awesome workout the next day because it's hard to sit down or turn the wheel on my car <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, um, we'll also self auto regulate. Like if I'm not recovering, if I go into a workout, I'm still sore from a few days prior, you know, I'll skip off a few exercises or I'll drop down weight and just do high reps or, I mean, a lot of it is just listening to your body and making sure you get the most out of your body that day. It is definitely having to listen to yourself. And I think that is a frustrating um, answer for a lot of people. It's like, well, Jen, like, what's the answer? Like, what are you doing? And it's right. like, well, the, the answer is, is experience. Like it, unfortunately, maybe as a coach, that's what you, you offer. It's you offer this background of experience that whenever you do mm -hmm. see somebody maybe struggling in a specific area, you know, whether to, to, to decrease load or to focus on like mechanical things, right? That's right. what it's the experience ultimately is what gives you the, the eye to know what is the right way to go, which Again, it can be frustrating for some people, but that is really the answer. Um, it it is really unique. is. And I couldn't have told you this like my first couple of years in powerlifting. Like I was still trying to figure out a lot of stuff back then. You know, we were just trying things and seeing if it were, you know, at the competition, did it work out well this way? Yes, no. And then reflect and fix. And um, it is frustrating to not have like a, a right answer, but it's definitely not a one size fits all. I think coaches are great because they can definitely help you skip a lot of the mistakes you might make, particularly in the big beginning. Uh, but everyone, you know, has a different lifestyle and a different recovery. And, you know, you got to find where it's fun and it works for you. <laughs> and nobody likes that answer, but it's so true. <laughs> what do you do for, I mean, I have two different questions and you can, okay. the first, the first I'm interested in, I see you do a lot of overload training. Mm -hmm. When did you start seeing the benefit of overload training and how does it, it's just, you, you put an insane amount of weight on your back and <laughs> on, and in your hands. I don't know. I haven't, I don't know if I've seen you do any rack pulls, but what is, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, how long you've been doing overload training and, and, yeah, I guess I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, probably like 15 years or something like that. Um, one of our roommates was in chiropractic school and he was studying isometrics. Nice. Um, and he didn't really apply that to weightlifting back then, but he was a weightlifter. And he's like, I bet we can start applying this to our training. And we're like, yeah, let's give it a try. And so that's when we came up with, it may have been 20 years ago. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been so long now. But um, we started with um, the heavy holds on the bench. Like, let's just see what you can do as a static isometric hold because the studies showed that there was such a good return on your concentric strength if you could do an isometric hold. So, you know, we just started with the one rep max. That was super easy. We came up with the goal being 15 seconds. I don't even really know why we came up with that, but it just seemed like it was long enough that you could really have to push at it for a little while. Um, and so then we just started, you know, going up each week that we did it. We were doing it, um, I think each week then. Now we do it every other week. Um, and then we thought, well, we can start applying this to squats. You know, we can walk out with heavy weights, same thing, do a heavy walkout. And then, you know, with the deadlifts, we do the rack pulls or the wagon wheels. 
And um, then we started doing, you know, like pin presses are essentially an overload, right? And block presses. And um, so the idea is, I mean, you're training your body to do this weight that you couldn't actually do in a full rep. But if you can train it in a partial rep, you're more apt to get there. <laughs> and then and then the benefits are too, like after a heavy hold, everything feels pretty darn light after that weight, you know? So for me, mentally, a lot of this is mental. For me, mentally, that was really good for my training because, you know, I'll walk out with, you know, 560 pounds doing a few reps at 330 ain't so bad, you know? <laughs> Same with the bench too, you know? So it, we were, we just, as we started applying them to our training, we were seeing such positive returns in that. And then, you know, we have our days where we're doing full bench, full squat, full deadlift, but then there's exercises where you're working partial reps to work a particular spot of that lift, whether it's the top end, the bottom end, or the center, you have these other days where you can strengthen your weakness within that lift. How structured are your training programs? Are they like you have these eight movements in the day, um, or is it we're we are going to hit a general area and then you walk into the gym kind of knowing the choices you have to select in that top range that you're trying to correct. And you're like, ah, oh, we're going to do this one today. Mm -hmm. Well, I have an app. It's Thompson's Gym. That program's top app. I will give myself a little plug there. And then we actually have um, I have nine programs on there. Um, so honestly, it depends on which program you're in. So like on our competition ready program, um, which means you're, you're using it to lift in a, an, an event at the end, um, there's not as much choice in it. Like, um, the rep ranges will change a little bit throughout, but, um, you're really only getting choices on like, you know, do you want to do skull crushers or extensions or, you know, just the smaller muscle movements, um, and then we have um, some other programs we'll do on off, like when we're not training for an event where you would have a lot more choices of let's do this today, let's do this today, let's do what we call an escalation, which is kind of where you're starting with a lot of reps and moving down to um, one or two reps at the end by percentages and or I really want to work my deadlift form today, so let's throw in an escalation workout today or things like that. So. I mean, it's way more structured when you're going to a uh, competition because, you know, you're, you've got to perform, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to hit these numbers and you want to be the best you can be. So you don't want to mess around with, with the program loving it too much. But I, I mean, like I said, I'll do the smaller stuff just to keep things fresh and, you know, not too crazy. But then our other off programs, they have, you know, we will, maybe so, some days we'll go and they go like, why don't we do this today? <laughs> now it's something we've created, you know, it's a workout we've created, but we've just sort of picked it from the many that we've created. So oh, this sounds like fun today. Let's do this one. <laughs> I like that. What was it like developing the app? Was it hard, tough? Was it a fun endeavor? It was fun. It was a little bit hard in trying to take what we've been working on and using for years and put it into something that anybody could use. Um, and I'm, I still think some of it probably needs to be adapted a little bit. I, I have a beginning powerlifting program and an advanced powerlifting program on there because def definitely if, if you haven't done it before, the advanced ones 
you know, it's, it's going to be asking you to make too big a jumps and probably lifting way too heavy weight for what you should be doing at the time. So um, it's hard because it's the programs were specific to me. I had to look and say, how can I make this um, work for everybody? So that was honestly the harder part. And then figuring out percentages. I mean, I can lift a lot of weight. I can make big jumps in my weight, but not everybody can. So it was kind of, I did have like for about three or four months, I had several, um, I had offered it free as long as you tried it, gave me your feedback. So I had a lot of people on it for free and there was lots of things that we had to um, fix and tweak. And, um, you know, when you're starting a project, things come up that you would never even have anticipated, you know, especially with technology. So I think now it's been out a couple of years now. So now I feel like we've got it fairly dialed in, but still even like, you know, you always have to assess yourself. And if it's going too fast, you're just going to have to maybe drop back a little bit. Or if it's not going fast enough, go ahead and jump forward a little bit. Um, but it, and then I made videos for, you know, how to do each exercise. And it was time consuming. <laughs> I do have like a community like that you if you if you're on my app it's just $29 a month and you get invited to my private community of all my lifters that are on the app and um, it's a great community like they post videos and I'm not even the one that has to I always respond to all of them but like I've got such great people in there they're on it in a second saying hey I think maybe you should try this or maybe you um, you know let your hips fly up on that deadlift a little bit too quick or so um, that's actually kind of the fun part for me is just being part of that. And that's definitely, again, the community part is definitely one of the most exciting parts of it. What was, did, did somebody come to you, like a, like an app developer come to you? Yeah, it's through uh, my strength book. They used to be just a coaching platform and then they decided to, um, uh, Avi Silverberg and uh, Mike McDonald owned it out of Canada. And, um, Mike bought Avi out of it um, so that now he's just running it. And when he took it over, he really wanted it to be where athletes could have their own platforms, you know, and their own programming, um, which was pretty neat. Um, what I really love about it is like it, it's it's um, collecting all your data. I love the stats and analysis. Like at the end, it'll say like, you've never done this before. You hit a PR on your, you know, your incline bench today, or you lifted this many reps by the end of your workout or this much weight, or I just find all that stuff, you know, kind of satis- satisfying. So <laughs> um, I do like the like data analysis aspect of it. And are you, do you coach your athletes through your, through your platform? So do you, do you have any athletes that you are, that are fault now? No, I did a little bit of that during COVID. I just thought I'd give online coaching a try and I find that I didn't love it. <laughs> so um, I just, uh, I offer anyone that's on my program. I offer, they can message me, they can send me videos or they can be part of the community. And I help, I help them the best I can as they're going through my programming so, but I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not picking their programs for them each week. I'm just more of like um, an advisor on it whenever they need it, which actually I kind of like. <laughs> I think that sounds like the better deal than, than it. Online coaching is just, it's tough. It's so it's hard. hard. To, like, like you're handing over this, this template and 
like there's so much change that needs to happen day by day at times with certain athletes. Some mm-hmm. athletes can follow it and do perfectly fine. You have other athletes that they, you know, that you need to help monitor and tell them when to back off. And if mm-hmm. you don't like, or like that immediate feedback or that cue of no chest stop right in the middle of the yeah. rep, like that, that you make, they make that change. Oh, you miss out mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. It's nice. I guess like if you don't have anyone, it's a nice option, but like, like one of the guys I was coaching, God, he made such huge gains and I was at the meet that he was at and he got all of his bench presses turned down because his butt was up and I could, I didn't see that in the video. It's like, cause he had shorts on. And so I felt horrible because that was something that I missed. A, I would have probably noticed it in real life, but on a video, it wasn't apparent, you know? And then I had another um, my athlete and um, it was a master's lifter and she went to her event and she put like something absurd, like 150 pounds on her total from her previous one. And then she said to me, God, I really thought I was going to make bigger gains with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, done. <laughs> This is not for me. <laughs> That's fair. And that was that. So that was your last online training experience. It was just like I had only take. I think I took ten athletes for like a year. Like I let them do it for a year, and um, you know, because it was COVID, everything was shut down. We were stuck at home anyways, and most of the people had to have home gyms, you know, in order to be able to do it because a lot of the gyms were closed or whatever. And so I, I said, I'm going to try it for a year. Because even as a teacher, we were teaching at home on the computer, you know. So I'll try it. If I was going to try it, now's the time. And I'll give it a go. And it just, I really enjoy the seminars I do. Like, I love meeting new people. And I feel like I have a great eye for helping people how to figure out things with their form and their lifts and things like that. So to me, that's in, it's instant gratification. And it's rewarding. And it's one day. <laughs> what is... When do you host the seminars and what do they look like? Like, how does somebody sign up? Um, usually, people just ask me to come. Like, um, in August, I'm going to uh, MGH Fitness in Chicago. They are opening their brand new gym and they want me to come do a bench seminar there. So, I'll be there. Um, uh, at the end of May, this May, we have um, what we're calling our Iron and Stone Tour in Miami. And um, there's a bunch of us um, at uh, CrossFit Kendall in the Battle Axe Gym doing um, like a seminar for two days. Um, and our we're, that one we're doing for charity. Um, and then um, there's a, 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 a training group called the Wonder Women. And um, it's, a, it's a international training group. And so um, there I, I did a seminar uh for them last year and they're flying me out to uh la in october to do another one this year um but it's it's pretty i don't usually allow more than 20 because that's pretty much after that like i'm just not getting to everybody you know i just can't help everybody more than 20. sometimes all my husband come with me because like we're basically the same person (laughs) like as far as training and figuring stuff out so a lot of times i'll bring him if I, i need help but it's just whatever comes up. Um, and if, you know, people will want me to come there and if I can work it into my, my schedule, but I, I enjoy doing it. It's fun. I, I want to hear about 
Um, we're going to talk a little more about that after we, after we sign off. Cause that is an interest of mine. Um, man, I was going to ask you something else about the seminars. Um, did you think that you were going to get to the point where you are doing seminars? Like at what point did you realize, Oh man, like I'm gaining some traction here. What else can I do? Or is it just completely organic? Has it been goal oriented? None, none of this has really been goal oriented. <laughs> like if you would have asked me 20 years ago, you know, would I be here? I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but uh, I think uh, I started, it was, I don't know how many years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, I started, you know, you would see like Ray Williams put a um, seminar on somewhere and I'm like, he's out there doing that and then somebody asked me to do it and i'm like well yeah let's go (laughs) you know um so really it was just people reaching out to me is how it kind of got started um and i just was honestly just very flattered that someone would want to find me somewhere to teach their folks how to do some powerlifting and we did do um we had the iron sister or sister yeah, Iron Sisters out of Canada um, with uh, Francis Manius and Kim Walford. Um, for two years, we did um, like an all-female weekend um, seminars um, around the U.S. We did like four a year for two years. And then when COVID hit, we just kind of felt like that was a good stopping place. And is it the goal to, to restart that or just was that the I don't think so. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but it just became, um, it became more of a business and it, um, is a lot of work. Like, um, like, you know, you would have to find the place and then find places for people to stay and find the venue and then get the signups and then the money and the, um, it became a, um, more of a job, which, I didn't ever want this to feel like that. So uh, now when we do the seminars, you know, I just um, I get my um, flight and room and board paid for. And then I have like a set fee for the day. um, And I don't do any of the business part of it. I don't want to. (laughs) It's not my not my knack. (laughs) I feel like there are people that they 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 start gaining gaining this traction and then well like the the business side is like well yeah i'm gonna start to charge and start to put myself out there and do these things but you've stayed teaching and and not dived into that world why is there a um i forget the word but why why is there not a desire to get into that um because i think if i ever got there i don't think i would love it like i do um i love teaching um Nobody does teaching unless they love it because it pays so poorly, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I like it. I, I enjoy going to work every day. Um, and I think like you get one option, you know, you, you have, well, I believe that you get one, one stint in this life, you know, you may, maybe some people believe in reincarnation. I don't know, but I feel like you have this finite time on this earth. And it would be a shame if you didn't enjoy it, you know, and you don't need money to enjoy it. You need to be able to do things that you enjoy doing. And so for me, spending time with my family, watching my kids play baseball or powerlift, um, going to my um, teaching my classes, seeing my students play sports, um, pushing myself 
to places I never thought I could go, traveling, um, meeting people. Um, I think once, if I were, you know, with the Iron Iron Sisters, it got it got to where it was a job, and then I didn't enjoy it as much. And I didn't look forward to going. So that was for me a flag to say that let's let it's time to retire this and. You just never know what's going to come your way in life. You know, like I didn't know I'd be going to Chicago in August or, you know, Miami in May. You know, what cool things are happening. Um, I just got asked from Trova Trips to do like a trip with them where you would just invite people and you would go travel somewhere and do all these awesome things, you know. So totally on board with that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just think it's time is precious and i think it's easy to get overcommitted and overworked um what that i've learned especially when you're a teacher they're always asking you to sign up and do this and do that and do this and do that and host this and do this tutor group and whatever and at some point you have to um realize that family is really important and then you need to dedicate time to that and to dedicate time to things that you find enjoyable and i find giving back enjoyable so um so that's where I'm with that. <laughs> and if it, you know, I did have someone that wanted a seminar, um, you know, it was way up in Canada somewhere and it was just the time and effort it would take to get there took way too much from my precious time. So I would have loved to do it, but it would just, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't fit in well. So I didn't do it. <laughs> the willingness to say no to things is. In a nice way. <laughs> it's like. It, and I want time with my family and, and like, I don't think anyone's ever going to be like, Oh, Jen, I can't believe you. Right. It's right. like, who doesn't want that? Right. We only have this X amount of time. I think, I think you're, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know that you're right necessarily. I don't know if anybody, anybody is, I guess, right. But we have this one opportunity to make the most out of what we can do. And what, I think it sounds like the family values and the giving back are the, on, on a higher priority for you. Um, and it's, it's cool because you're still making an impact, but with the priorities of, I think what is traditionally accepted as business and money, you're mm -hmm. making like, you're making an insane impact with the values of family and like love, if you will, like loving what yeah. you do. I think so. I think so. And it's just, I uh, think, you know, anytime anything comes up, I always just sort of weigh it, you know, what's the pluses, what's the minuses, is it worth taking time from family or school or wherever to go do this event? And sometimes the answer is yes, it would be really awesome to go do this and we have a huge impact and it'd be great. And then sometimes it's like, no, and and you have to sort of get over not wanting to hurt people's feelings. I think sometimes we don't want to hurt people's feelings or maybe it's money's the driving factor of it. And I mean, some people need to do that. I mean, obviously you need money to, to live, but it's, I guess you have to decide at, um, at what level you're happy doing that at. <laughs> and is, is the level that you are at, that you are growing or it can like being at, is this, is this it or are you looking to add more to your plate? Um, well, I would like to always, I think, make a bigger impact in my sport. I mean, to me, it's been important to put my stamp on it. And, um, you know, I want when people talk about powerlifting my name to get in there. So I'm constantly striving to improve myself as I get older. 
um, you know, to make a positive impact on my sport. I'm, a, I'm the North Carolina state chair. So we're always working on improving and, you know, giving venues for people to lift at. Um, I'm a referee because I feel like we need good referees out there. And if I were lifting, I would want me in the chair. I don't necessarily love doing it, but I feel like it's important to have um, active athletes as referees in the chair. So, you know, that's important to me. I do that. Um, you know, so no, I'm not, I don't think as a power lifter, you're ever really satisfied with things. I don't ever really want to be satisfied. I always want to be striving for more, um, just at still an enjoyable pace. <laughs> Fair. Fair. And I think where I, where I look at it is like, but like you have to push to be uncomfortable in the gym, right? There are times where you're going to have to do a hard workout that sucks. Oh, um, yeah. Maybe not the most enjoyable, but the, the long-term goal is still the, the competition, right? And like being at worlds or being at nationals or, or being at a state meet, right? Not, and everybody's in that, that space, but it's, be willing to to put yourself through maybe some uncomfortable positions in order to to achieve a a, a higher level of success, if you will, um, in a specific field. But that does that transfer into like that same mentality transfer into doing make like the business side of things like and why why not? That's a hard question. I mean, I guess, yes, but then that's when it becomes stressful. Cause I, like for me, I always want to be the best at whatever I do. Like I always want to push myself. I always want to, you know, whether it is like, like I got in charge of setting up senior night for my son's baseball team, you know, and I want to knock that shit out of the park. You know, so like I'm stressed out about the pizza order. I got these kick, but, um, you know, flasks with their names. I wanted to outdo last year, you know, moms like crazy. <laughs> so I'm staying up at night getting all this stuff together and organizing and stuff. So, I mean, I do think like it is inside me. I think in most, you know, not everyone's competitive, you know, but if you're a competitive athlete, you're not usually just competitive in your sport, you're competitive in all things. Um, so yeah, there is this kind of push pull, you know, especially with social media, with with the following and the opportunities that you have. And um, I always feel like I am always pushing myself into to different spots, you know, um, with my own podcast, the Strength Academy podcast, um, you know, we've, off, we've asked for some big names to come in on our podcast, which is sort of scary, but what drives me is I wanna be the best and I wanna have the best on there and you can if you don't at least ask. And oddly, they usually say yes. So, you know, um, so, but it, it's, I don't want to get like so bad that like I can't sleep at night or I'm stressed about making a certain dollar amount. To me, that's a negative. You know, um, most of the stuff I do with powerlifting doesn't have a financial um, number to it. It just makes me feel good to either interact with these certain people or be able to be privileged enough to go to these places and do these things and to keep pushing that. I do think like I would love to see powerlifting get as big as um, Strongman and, you know, some of the other uh, televised sports, I think we can get there. And to me, that's like more challenging to make ourselves so mainstream that people want us. 
on their shows, on their talk shows, on their channels, you know, stuff like that. So that's always, I feel like an upward, it seems like an impossible mountain, but I feel like we can keep pushing and get there. I feel like we're on the way, Jen. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I do. I don't think it's impossible at all. I just hope I'm still like competing by the time we get there. <laughs> For me, you know, like it's been tough because like when we first started, like we were such a nothing sport. No one, I mean, I've been benching big weight for a long time. Nobody knew, you know, cause there was no social media or things like that. So for me, um, and we were lifting in nasty, like community centers and ballrooms, you know? So for me, like when I go to the Arnold, I lifted in three events and everyone's like, why would you lift in three? I'm like, do you see how awesome this is? Like, if you're going to give me three opportunities, I'm taking all of them to get out there and spend my time because um, so much of my career was not like that, that I feel so um, blessed that as powerlifting has gotten to more professional and money and people watching and this more social status, I'm just so excited that even though I'm at probably towards my end of my open career, um, that I just get it to experience and be a part of it and still be competitive. I think that you're already being in an outside perspective. You're already experiencing a lot of what it will like, like it's going to continue to grow in number, but I think that it seems like, and it looks like you're already like in the, in, in the uprising of the sport. Like you've got to see the, the high school gym meets to or the high school gym venue to the Arnold and like that platform that stadium is just amazing it it really is like I always say it's like I think it's equivalent to like if I ever got to feel like what it would be to be like a rock star that sold out like a huge stadium I feel like it's fairly close to that you know like you get on that main stage and it's just a sea of people you know cheering for you and the energy is electric but I don't think that's like our top out point I do think there's there's more beyond that we'll have to wait and see I think the Sheffield was a good uh, I think Mm -hmm. step also in the right direction like yeah it's it's continuously growing and did you I, I don't do you compete in USAPL solely right now I am I haven't competed competed in the IPF uh since COVID 2019 um, I don't, I don't know if I will. I might, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's such a, I hate that that all happened. I think it makes I it do more too. For, for athletes that are coming in. Like it was so easy to like, Oh, this is like the route. Like, this is just what you mm-hmm. do. Now it's like, I, I have been on the outside thinking like, okay, which one do I choose? Cause if I choose one that I'm kind of restricted to the other and I don't really know, mm-hmm. like, how to partake if you're new yeah it's create a big it's create a big divide which i'm really sad about in some ways it's been nice because usa powerlifting was held back so much by these rules of the ipf that we couldn't do a lot of things that we wanted to do that we are doing now so in that sense it was a little bit of freedom where we can finally be our own person but at the same time it's so sad to miss that international aspect of it and then um you know things like the Sheffield and um you know I know like the raw worlds this year I think is on Eurosport and um so it's it's sad they couldn't figure out 
how to work that out together. Cause I think together that would have been pretty amazing. Um, so I don't know. I have a little bit of mixed, mixed feelings about it. Um, I've just been USA powerlifting right now, just because I'm enjoying, um, I'm enjoying the large events that we have. Um, you know, when you go to the Sheffield was great, but when you go to like a normal IPF worlds, there's nobody there. It's empty. <laughs> You're like on a stage lifting with a few teammates in the audience. Like it's not. Um, and until recently, it's, they usually are not in nice places. Like you think, oh, I'm going to wherever, England. And then you're in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know, or, um, you know, in Japan, you know, I was so excited to go to Japan. And then we were in this horrible hotel, like off the airport. And, you know, so, I mean, they could definitely improve some of that. So that was some of the reason where, you know, we've traveled from, I don't know, I mean, we've been to probably 15 different countries with the IPF. Um, and I'm super proud of my accomplishments with them and stuff. But at this point, it's always like, you know, like Bench Worlds was in South Africa. I have no desire to go down there again, <laughs> like, um, mostly because it was a 19 hour plane flight and that was horrible. <laughs> God, that's so long. <laughs> Who wants to sit in a plane that long, you know? Um, so, I mean, I've just been enjoying, I think, um, financially it's been nicer too, just to do things closer to home and we've had some nice big events and they're a lot of fun so i've just been enjoying that um i do hate that i have 11 ipf titles because it's an odd number (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know (laughs) it would be hilarious to go back just to make it an even number (laughs) i might though (laughs) Just waiting for it to go to a place that I want to go. <laughs> That's so fun. It it definitely is. I think it, it gives me mixed feelings, and I think it it makes it harder for it. There's an entry point, but I do like it. It is you know more cost effective to stay in the states. You know, like going to Hungary was not the cheapest thing. You know, and it, it made it hard. And there's I had to do crowdfunding, and and thankfully was able able to do it, but. If I could stay in my states or stay in the U.S., those flights one are not 19 hours, and also yeah. are much more affordable. And my and the, uh, the so far the venues, pretty much all the venues that I've been to with at least the nationals with USAPL have been pretty nice venues. Yeah, pretty decent. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Do when did you uh, when did you start jumping on the bench? And... <laughs> that was at the Arnold. Um, I want to say it was maybe 2013 or 14. I actually did that because um, Dennis Cherry is um, he owns SSP Nutrition, but he was like kind of like me and the men's side of things. Like he was breaking all the records. I don't think he ever lost a meet. Um, and he is really like. Uh, he has a lot of stage presence. Like the, when we were there, he walked out in like a boxer's robe and um, sunglasses. Like he was Sean Noriega and Russell or he before they were even born, you know, like he had all this flair. And so he had 
broke the world record that day and jumped up on the bench and did that. So then when I did it, I did it kind of as like homage to him. And then it just kind of became a thing. <laughs> it's like the most hyped thing. I love, I love to hear where it started, but like watching you do it, it's like, you just want to like get up there and do it too. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's so like motivated. It's fun. It adds so much to like the environment at a USAPL meet allows for that, you know? And, and like, yeah. it's, I think part of it is also Gino. Like when Gino came on, yeah. it just it changed. Oh my gosh, it just it changed big time. <laughs> huge. Like people wanted to go and just take pictures with Gino. Like people, people were yeah. showing up just to listen to him was, talk. Yeah, I was at his very first meet. He speaking of Dennis. Um, he Dennis owns a bunch of gyms in New Jersey called the Fitness Factory, and Gino worked out there at the Fitness Factory. And so they had bench nationals in Rockaway, New Jersey, and Dennis was, you know, helping sponsor it. And he's like, I got this guy, you want him to announce. Um, and he did, that was his first announcing. He used to do like um, bikini contests on the beach and stuff. <laughs> he didn't know anything about powerlifting, but he was energetic. And everyone was like, we want him back. Cause you know, before that it was like, you know, Benjamin up. Jen on deck, Dennis in the hole. And that was it. Like, that was all the announcing. There was no nothing else. So, um, and then he's just kind of become his own character, you know, over time. Um, and, you know, he flies every weekend to a different meet and all he asks for is his expenses paid for. He doesn't get paid to go do these events. He's retired and he says this is his enjoyment. So, wow. yeah, just, you know, just, you know, feed them and fly them in and put them up. <laughs> wow. That's so yeah. cool. That's amazing. Yeah, so we've had him at a few of our North Carolina events. He'll come down here and stay at the house with me. And then he'll go to like my son's baseball game, which we live in like Podunk, North Carolina. And he's there with his skull rings and his pirate hat on, you know, and all the other parents are like, who is this guy? He's going pony. <laughs> It's a family, man. It's yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and the fact that the IPF kicked him out, you know, so <laughs> you know, it says something um, about them, I think. And I probably can't stand up on the bench anymore because you know you're not allowed to put your feet up on the bench. So <laughs> I don't think they like there's it. that. <laughs> yeah. It just I've I've been to a couple meets over the like the last year and just seeing everybody kind of like shaking hands and giving hugs and like, Oh, what are you doing for lunch? Or what are you going, what are you going to do for dinner? I was like, Oh, let's, let's all go to, you know, whatever. Like mm -hmm. you don't, I feel like you don't have that. And like a lot of places, like it's, it's something that I think all of us need. We're a community based species, right? Like we all need that grouping. And I feel like industry, like the money behind business sometimes, sometimes not always, can get in the way and it, it takes away from that community. And I think that the more you get into industry, the unfortunately it, it can, it, it kind of pulls you into that way or kind of just it continuously, like it, it'll push you out so that if you don't want a part of it, like you stay outside, but you don't, you're, you're never really involved in the community part and mm -hmm. it's sad. Yeah. <clears throat> but it sounds like powerlifting is a good place to be. It is for sure. If you don't want to be part of the community. It's probably not the spot for you. <laughs> you're kind of, I think most people are there. 
yeah, I think you're kind of not forced into it, but it's like it's hard not to want to be involved with it. Yeah, it's for sure. If you have Gino yelling at you like six 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 number of the beast, then you're like, oh my, who is this guy? You know, he's like, what is what is what do things look like for Jen in the future? In the in like the next six to twelve months or so. Well, I'm gonna do uh, bench nationals in uh, Memphis in August, and then we have raw nationals. Oh no, that was uh, Phoenix. Sorry, August is Phoenix bench or uh, raw nationals is Memphis, right in September. Um, and then we have a couple of North Carolina events going on that I'm helping out with, and then you know the seminars I've mentioned. Um, yeah, I always stay busy. <laughs> There's always something going on. Um, but every once in a while, I have like a vacated weekend where I'm like, oh, I'd love to get up to the mountains and just hike and and decompress and just I, I enjoy nature like a lot. So I love to be out in, in nature. So I do that as, as much as I can. Um, but um, yeah, just I don't know. I don't have anything other than maybe a Trova trip, which I'm excited about. And um and seminars and lifting and teaching and um, being a mom. And being a mom and teaching. I, I forgot a little bit there. I kind of like lost. <laughs> you you also teach and you're also a mom and, and a wife. Like you really do stay stay very active. And it's part of the, it, it makes sense why you would say no to things at times. It's like, mm-hmm. you got a lot going on. I feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel like work if you're enjoying it right and it's a and it it does help that like with my family we're all into the lifting so that helps that we can all do a lot of those things you know together um so that's that that's good too (laughs) definitely is nice i wanted to ask a little bit about what you do for recovery um not a whole lot honestly i mean we lift four days a week um, probably an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how many people show up for the workout that day. Cause our neighbors and our friends come work out with us. So there's usually four or five, six of us down there. So the more, the more there are, the longer it takes, which means you get more rest in between sets. <laughs> um, but I mean, and you know, so we have Wednesday off and Saturday and Sunday. So, um, usually just, I like just to be active on my days off, whether, you know, we live on the lake down here, so paddle boarding or something like that, or hiking up in the mountains. But um, I mean, I just I think the rest and recovery is just paying attention to your workouts and making sure that you're not um, overtraining. I think sleep is hugely important. Like when we get off of this, I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> I take a nap every day. Um, my husband thinks it's hilarious. If you do the hashtag, uh, let the champ sleep, there's like eight zillion pictures of me sleeping anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love sleep. Um, so I think sleeping is huge important. I get like eight hours at night and then I get another half hour, you know, partway through the day wow. if I can. Um, and then just nutrition, of course, you know, um, I don't eat a lot. I don't eat a lot of processed food. I'm not like crazy about my diet, but I try to eat real food is kind of my, my big thing is veggies. And, and I'm not a great cook, but I can can cook enough. I just want to let you know, I cannot hear you. Uh Uh-oh. Not now. Ah, how about now? There you go. You're back. That was weird. 
Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Internet just kind of like died. Anyway, I don't know what I said. <laughs> we were talking about how much you like to sleep. And I think, I mean, sleep is extremely important. And yeah. um, it's 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 nice. Sleep is good. I'm also probably going to be taking a nap here pretty soon. I woke up and I was like, man, I'm still tired. I don't really know. Like, oh, this I is do terrible. one every so day, every single down. day if I can. As I was saying, my husband's got this hashtag yeah. called let the champ sleep. Did I tell you that? Yeah. And um, so lots of pictures. But I think nutrition too. Like I don't eat out a lot. I don't eat any fast food. And I just try to eat real food. Um, I'm not a great cook, but I can get by. <laughs> so I think too, like if you really look at your nutrition and what you're putting in your body, I think that has a huge impact on your recovery. That's a, a, a very good point, and I think one that is easily overlooked, um, maybe by, I think elite level athletes typically are, are more conscious of what they are putting in their bodies, but it, it can get, you can get away, you know, if there's so much going on and things sometimes are easier just to go and, you know, grab something from, you know, anywhere off the street or whatever, than just taking the time to have prepped, right? Yeah, I just try to, when I'm making things, I just try to make things in excess. So I always have extra things to eat. Um, I think like a lot of the packaged food and stuff, I just think there's such bad stuff in there. And I don't think you realize it until you go off it for a while. And now like if I were to eat something packaged, it, I, it tastes plasticky. I feel like I can taste all the chemicals in it. It doesn't taste good. Um, so I, that's been sort of a big change for me in just the last few years. I'm not like vegan or anything like that. I just try to eat real food. It's important. Well, Jen, I, I, I seems like our internet's kind of, you, you can't, I can't see you anymore. So, but well, what do I think? Let's give some plugs and then I guess we can, we can go ahead and call it. I'd love to continue the chat. I'm really glad that we met, um, got to actually, you know, put a face to the name. And, and I think again, thank you for the time, but it just sounds like you're doing a lot of really cool things just in, I think for the sport, but then just ultimately for your own life. Um, and it makes me really happy to hear and see and, um, it's, it's motivating. And I think, it's just, it's nice. It, it, I, I feel like I always <laughs> boil things down to it's just, and it's, it, it is and that's okay. just nice <laughs> to hear. Thank you. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Well, give me some plugs if you don't mind. Where, where can people find you? Where can they get the app and all those good things? Yeah. Um, well, the app's just a website. It's thompsonsgym.programs.app. Um I have it in all my links. Instagram's Jen Thompson 132. Um, I have a TikTok. It's Jen Thompson 132. Because um, back when I first started, 132 pounds was my weight class before they started changing them all. Um, and then um, I have a YouTube, 132 pounds of power. I'm always putting like all sorts of little bench tutorials and tips and stuff like that on there. Um, so that's actually a really great place. If you just want to, I started a new quick bench tips series. So if you want to just like get a couple little cues, you can go there. Um, I have a website, 132 pounds of power, <laughs> Facebook, all of it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Gosh, I love it. Well, 
again, thank you so much. And I hope to see you at the next nationals or something similar and hopefully have you back on in the future. I mean, this is awesome. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. I loved it. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 